0: This is Good Together, the podcast that inspires you to create change in the world every day. Keep listening for actionable tips and tricks to incorporate eco-friendly practices into your daily life. We've been featured by Apple as the number one podcast for conscious consumers, and we can't wait to welcome you into our community of change makers. I'm your co-host, Laura Alexander Wittig, co-founder of Brightly.Eco, the new platform for conscious consumers. We believe in supporting all creatures, great and small, and our team of experts shows you how to consume and shop responsibly by recommending world-changing products, brands, and more. To read show notes from Good Together and to browse all of the world-changing goodness that we feature, head to brightly.eco slash podcast. Also, to help us spread the word about the podcast, tap on this episode and share Good Together with your friends and family. A simple text message helps us grow and create change around the world. This episode is brought to you by Diamond Nexus. They say that diamonds are a girl's best friend, but are they really the planets? As jewelry lovers ourselves, Lisa and I are excited to recommend a sparkly and ethical option. Diamond Nexus creates gorgeous, lab-created diamond simulates that cost up to 80% less than mine diamonds, so you can wear a guilt-free statement piece the next time you're out on the town. Good Together listeners can get an additional 5% off, ethically made, lab-created diamond simulants with code GOOD5 at diamondnexus.com slash goodtogether. Clean up on aisle five. It looks like somebody broke a carton of cage-free, grain-fed, free-range eggs. What the what? What does that even mean? Join us as we journey through the virtual grocery store and stop to shop along the way. Trying to look for the perfect product that's fair trade, vegan, organic, cruelty-free, and more is enough to make even the most patient-conscious consumer go a little bit crazy. Plus, once you've located a coveted sustainable certification on your favorite coffee, how do you even know what it means? Not to worry, because in this episode, Lisa and I will show you how to filter through the noise and make shopping decisions that make you and the planet proud. We get into B cores, leaping bunnies, and more on today's episode. Hey, Lisa, how's it going? Hey, Laura, happy Sunday. Yeah, happy Sunday to you. I'm just really enjoying this beautiful morning we have. Yeah, and you have a nice new setup. Where are you right now? Yeah, so um, we're actually here in LA. Um, we, Brightly, is um, now <laughs> here in LA for the, for the next three months. Uh, we just made public that we got accepted into the Yellow Accelerator program that's actually run by Snapchat. So Snapchat is um, excited about what Brightly is doing. They're investing in us. Um, we couldn't be more thrilled. But um, as some of our listeners know, um, you and I live in the Bay Area. So um, we moved, uh, I moved down here. You, you're down here sometimes too, Lisa. Um, for for the next three months and we're staying in a Zeus property and Zeus is one of our new Brightly partners. We're so excited to share more about them, but they essentially create 30-day stays or more. Um, They're almost like a curated um, Airbnb type experience. They utilize a ton of ethical and sustainable products in their setup, um, including public goods who we love. So they were a great partner for us. And I've just, I mean, like I'm literally living in the most beautiful spot in Santa Monica. I'm like within walking distance from Amor Ver, which is one of our favorite ethical brands. We have got coffee bakeries. Like it's just, it's been great.
1: <laughs> I, yeah, I was so thrilled when you told me about them. Like how did you find like the perfect sustainable option for us to live in? That's like, it's a dream. I can't wait yeah. to uh, get there and try it out for myself. That's awesome. Yeah,
0: exactly. But yeah, we're, we're, we're really thrilled and can't wait to keep doing all things brightly.
1: Cool. All right. Let's. uh, Before we get into this week's topic, which we will be talking about different labels and certifications that you as a consumer should be on the lookout for when buying things for your life in general, I wanted to give a shout out to our community. As you guys know, uh, we recently started a Facebook group for our podcast fans. It's called Good Together. So you just search in Facebook, Good Together Ethical Shopping and Lifestyle, and it should pop up. Uh, Request to join, we'll approve you right away. And that's where we discuss all things brightly. Um, so thank you guys so much for tuning in and there we discuss things like all things related to the episodes and there's those just like fun, uh, constant, I would say communication about what should I buy, which brand should I consider and things like that. And, um, I'll, I'll give a shout out to one of our Facebook, for, uh, Facebook, Brightly's uh, Facebook group <laughs> members, Carol Norris. Uh, uh, she's wondering about organic certification and we'll cover her question uh, once we get to the organics, uh, organic part of our conversation. I'll give a shout out. So that's what you uh, you can do as well. Uh, If you have some questions for us, not only can you can voice record uh, your question, if you go to brightly.eco slash podcast and scroll all the way down, you literally leave us a voice message. And you can also always drop us questions in the Facebook group group as well. So this has been fun to kind of have daily conversations about the podcast topics and sustainability things.
0: For sure. And I think, you know, to the point you just made, pick whatever way works for you. So you can email us, you can leave that voice message. Um, All of these sort of um, channels are available to you if you go to brightly.eco slash podcast, um, and you'll you'll see them all. But I think, um, you know, the topic that we are excited to get into today just constantly comes up, whether we are having IRL conversations with our community members or talking to people online. Um, You know, people often ask us what the with the most important thing they could do every day for the world we talked about it in a recent episode which is really just buy less um, but when it comes time to buy things there's so many different certifications and i don't know like labels stickers things that are like really competing for your attention and i think today's consumer is very aware of the potential to get brainwashed so we want to make sure that we provide you with a few Quick, easy labels to look for. By no means are we going to cover everything. We've got a great article that goes along with this podcast. Um, we'll leave it in the show notes. I mean, it is the show notes, <laughs> um, but we will, um, if you go to brightly.eco uh, slash podcast after this episode, you'll see m- what we talked about and more. So if we don't cover your favorite certification, don't worry. Um, and of course, there's always the ability for us to go more in depth on either even one of these in the future. So if, if there's one that you have a lot of questions about, Again, let us know. Um, and of course, Lisa is the, she's going to get us started by talking about fair trade because I think that for me, um, before she gets into it, what when I was a newbie to the ethical and sustainable movement, um, I really knew two things. One was organic, um, which I'll talk about a little bit later, but two was fair trade. Um, you know, I think Fair Trade has a great name. It's kind of right there. You can quickly understand what it means in its name, which is rare in certifications. But I, but I also found that like when I went out to shop, I couldn't find Fair Trade on very many things. So I said, "Why is that?" You know, like so. Yeah, tell me all of the things about Fair Trade, please. (laughs) Don't get me started. I have to time myself, but I mean, and again. Let
1: us know if you want to get deeper into things. Uh, This is why we're listening to you, and this is why we need your feedback. Uh, So sort of briefly, but to explain fair trade, it's actually not as straightforward for people as you might think. Um, So fair trade, basically, okay. let's talk about fair trade. It's mostly associated with products made by uh, hand by artisans, usually around the world. Um, But it started actually with, I would say, coffee and chocolate back in the 70s, I believe. Yep. So I think most of the people right now in the U.S. probably think of fair trade. The first thing they actually think, maybe not even artisans, but farmers who produce cocoa, chocolate, and coffee, and tea. Now I think okay, let's add tea too. But <laughs> it's actually fair trade again is much more than that. There is fair trade garments. There is fair tr- fair trade ceramics. There's fair trade textiles. A lot of things that are produced by people, and you know, if in the end of and in the end of it most of the things that surround you, even made at, at the factories, are still made by people. We're still not there where robots are producing things for us. <laughs> not, um, yet. Not, not yet, not <laughs> yet. Not yet, for better or for worse. So, but yeah, fair trade is about fair wages first and foremost. I think that's how people mostly get understand it. And uh, But it's actually, it's much more than uh, just fair wages. So uh, let's talk about the main kind of uh, fair trade principles. Um, so besides... Besides the fair wages. Um, fair trader wants to promote and develop transparent and accountable relationships. So, like if I'm buying something from an artisan organization or from a factory, I'm not, you know, uh, taking advantage of that, right? It's fair and transparent relationships. I'm helping uh, them build up their capacity. That's another thing. And building capacity, it means that through establishing our business together, I'm helping them grow, right? I'm teaching okay. them how to fulfill their orders for international suppliers, which will help them in their long-term sustainability and growth. i as a business have to pay them promptly and fairly so not only i'm okay. paying them above uh, a minimum wages uh, and it's varies. that's the confusing part minimum wage uh in fair wage varies from region to region uh from country by country but even like within countries different states they have minim- uh different minimum wages so
0: and just to jump mm-hmm. in there is is there like a calculation that the fair trade well, and there's multiple fair trade groups, which you'll probably exactly, talk about which in we'll, a little yeah. bit. So, is there there's not necessarily like a standard calculation that's made? Okay. No, in terms of the fair living wage, no. It's some, some, and that's that's
1: another thing is that some companies actually they they don't necessarily get a certification or fair trade membership because they think it's almost like not enough So some companies can go ahead and pay about 20% above minimum wage others. It's about like 5% things like that So unfortunately, this is not as uh, straightforward There's another thing called fair trade premium. Um, that's that's what usually associated with like coffee and um, chocolate production so generally basically as consumers if we're buying fair trade coffee for example we are uh the organization that's producing it we're paying premium to farmers right we are uh, we are paying above market rate for the for the cocoa beans or coffee beans okay. um which in some cases is also uh, might not even be beneficial but I will not get too into it because there's a lot of different things and economic studies that have been done around that. But generally it's a it's a common understanding it's good to pay fair wage, it's good to pay above minimum wage and this is one of the main principles of fair trade. But, but also paying promptly and fairly. So one of the things and uh, in my previous work uh, when working with artisans and Uh, placing huge orders with artisans and other companies, one of the main things is that you as an organization, you have to pay a deposit for your order uh, so that artisans can actually uh, buy raw materials, which unfortunately, and I think probably most people don't know, um, most companies, most retailers don't do that. So literally, they place order for like 10,000, 100,000 units of product without paying any deposit. Uh, so companies like, you know, Target, Walmart, what, what have you, uh, in who now are starting to sell artisan-made stuff. But they may or may
0: not, there. this artisan-made stuff. And actually that was the other question I was going to ask you too. Like, I think there's been kind of an explosion of this type of like artisan-made, um, look almost that you'll see happening. Like, I remember a few, this is definitely a few years ago, but like when the Moroccan wedding rugs became very trendy, Um, and I think when that originally started, they were actually rugs from Morocco that people were importing. Mm -hmm. And I mean, who knows about what the supply chain was looking like there, but at least they were authentic. Well, then fast forward to, you know, as, as that trend started to enter more and more into the mainstream, you could just run into target and get a knockoff way cheaper. Um, and so I think that's a good point bringing up around the, the, you know, target is, is in this space. Um, they're, they're probably not slapping fair trade on most of their products but they may be using the same it's possible they could be using the same um, you know supply chains but perhaps not not um, conforming to those those issues maybe
1: exactly yeah so if artisan things are trendy now but uh whether or not they're fair trade is questionable and you know I can tell you for for sure, like I work with companies, clients like Target and stuff and TJ Maxx. um, They literally, regular retailers won't pay you for six months or sometimes up to six months until you deliver the product. So if something goes wrong, uh, if they go out of business or uh, somehow decide not to pay uh, the artisans in the end, they can go out of business and that's people's livelihoods. And this is why it's so, so important, uh, you know, to look for fair trade. So uh, another shout out, Cost plus world market is not fair trade. You know, they have a lot of stuff and I think people get confused. They have artists and stuff. It doesn't mean that it's fair trade. Um, So quickly, a few more things about fair trade. And what you should be looking in terms of principles, what they do, um, supporting safe and empowering working conditions, right? So no slave, uh, slave labor. Uh, in terms of like you, you have nice, decent working conditions. You're not uh, sitting somewhere without the light, and um, you know without like anything like. Uh, protecting masks and, and things like that. So just like regular, safe and empowering working conditions. And other things, of course, ensuring the rights of children. So this is why we've talked in the previous episode, we'll link back to it. the Valentine's Day, we talked a lot about chocolate industry, right? Um, if you're buying fair trade chocolate, uh, the, the companies that sell it, they have um, transparent supply chains and they can ensure and promise you that there is no child labor involved in this and uh, producing and harvesting this. Uh, uh, chocolate uh, and of course environment, environmental stewardship. That's very important. Um, yeah. And then lastly, what you kind of touched upon a little bit: respecting cultural identities and basically not stealing. Uh, in, I don't know if it's called intellectual property of the artisans. You can't just steal an artisan design or a design that has been culturally preserved in this country or region and just make a knockoff. You know
0: that's. Yeah, I feel like important. it's so common now. It um, mm-hmm. It's. I, another one that I that comes to mind is like the African mud cloth. Um, that is like a it's a beautiful. It's oftentimes used as a neutral um, in some of these more like boho chic um, interiors, and I love it personally. But most of the time, the stuff that you're seeing is non authentic um, African mud cloth. One brand I want to give a shout out to is the Citizenry. Um, they make some beautiful, beautiful home goods, and. One thing that I love about them is I don't believe they're fair trade necessarily, but they do provide transparency around what why they've chosen to not um, get that certification. Uh, but they, what one thing that they do is they they have a bunch of different collections from artisan groups all around the world, and each one of those pieces looks like something that you could go get knocked off for twenty bucks from TJ Maxx. But you know you know that if you're going to pay a premium. You're going to be getting a piece that was really, truly made by an artisan and you're preserving that culture, providing livelihood for somebody. I think it's great
1: yeah and yeah that's they do a lot of storytelling telling around their artisan partners or the cultural identities behind all of their products for sure and i uh, like if the company is not fair trade and um you know a lot of artisan partners that we work with they haven't been uh, fair trade certified the easy thing for for you to do if you have your own business or want to source ethical or buy ethical products ask them can you share with me where your products are made? Um, are there any photos or videos from the factory? Or uh, in the artisan case, show me, uh, tell me names of the artisans. Um, so yep. just look for some level of transparency at the at the very minimum, and then ideally fair trade certification. And what it means basically, why you want a certification? It's basically a third party. Um, validation that my fair trade claims are actually true so globally my previous company we have been fair trade from day one but we went ahead and we uh, we became official members verified members it's called of the fair trade federation just so again the third party can verify yes they are truly um fair trade so and um, let's go just briefly there is multiple fair trade certifications which i think is confusing yep. for the consumer but they are there so fair trade federation um membership it's not a certification that's membership and that's more for companies like apparel and home goods companies so like if you're talking moroccan Ceramics or Indian textiles, things like that. Um, these companies uh, who sell in the U.S. they're usually members of the Fair Trade Federation. And what's the difference between membership and certification? Membership is the uh, Fair Trade Federation does not go and check all the different artisan groups that the this retailer is working with. Um, they simply require well, not simply they require a lot of documentation, transparency in how you operate, how you work with artisans, how many artisans you work with, stuff like that. On the other hand, there is for example Fair Trade USA and World Fair Trade Certification. This are certification and it means that uh, for example, I am a chocolate uh, company, right? Fair trade federation um fair trade USA will go uh to my suppliers let's say it's in ghana co- cooperative in ghana and they will in person uh verify you know uh, that there are safe working conditions that I, how much i'm paying the farmers and things like that so certification is i think the ultimate standard but usually certifications is more for companies that I'm working only with one factory, that's why it's easier to verify. If I'm working with different suppliers, like hundreds and thousands, that's very costly. You can't go and verify all of them, if that makes
0: for sense. For sure. And so I think like, just kind of thinking back to the conversation about fair trade, that is, it, it's confusing. Um, it's confusing. And we're not saying that it's perfect. I think oftentimes when you talk to people in the industry, It comes up as like one of the biggest pain points just because there are some great organizations out there, like you mentioned, trying to enforce some kind of um, standards and and going through that whole process. There's other fair trade organizations that may or may not be doing that. And um, when a brand is featured on the brightly.eco platform, oftentimes our brands don't have something like a fair trade certification. So we do exactly what you just mentioned around making sure that we've got transparency into how the brand produces. We think through the materials. We actually provide information on how we do our vetting on the site. Um, But I think just to kind of wrap up the fair trade convo for me, um, it's one label you can look for when you're out. If it's not there, that doesn't mean you can't buy it. It just means you might have to do a little bit more research. So, I think um for me that was like always an easy one, quote unquote easy one to look for. Um may or may not have um have found a ton of things (laughs) that were fair trade, but at least I knew. Um and you know, I think I kind of want to transition to another quickly, quick and easy one to look for. And I think this is one that you see when you're at the grocery store at the time. Organic. Like what does organic mean? And for our, you know, for our purposes, um, you know. That I mean, it's by far for me, it's one of the easiest things to, to, to find. So when I go into the grocery store and I'm shopping, a lot of times at Trader Joe's, you'll see this where you've got a non-organic option sitting next to an organic option. What does that actually mean? Um, so the USDA um, is a great resource for understanding organic certification. They've got a really awesome website we'll link to. Um, but they define organic as um, foods that are grown from, we think about foods, Foods that are grown and processed according to federal guidelines addressing, among many factors, things like soil quality, animal raising practices, pest and weed control, um, so pesticide use, and then the use of additives. So organic producers are going to be the ones who are using natural substances, um, you know, and, and they're going to be really thinking about the impact of the farming that they're doing on the world. So that's something that's really interesting. The other thing I wanted to mention um, is when we think about the growing of the, of the item, if it's, if it's agricultural produce. So produce can actually only be called organic if it's certified to have grown on soil that had no prohibited substances, basically pesticides, um, applied for three years before the harvest. So that's pretty crazy. And this actually applies to um, farms that might sit. So if let's say a farm sits next to a non-organic farm. Well, if that You know farm that's not organic is spraying pesticides and they blow into the organic farm that actually jeopardizes that certification for the organic farm i didn't know that i was actually um when we were moving me from the bay area down here to la we stopped in um, the wine country in san luis obispo and around that area and we went to an organic winery which I know our audience is like so excited about clean wine and organic wine. So we have content coming up around that because it's really interesting to us. But anyway, we stopped at this winery and they told us that. They actually showed us that they their entire farm um, used what they called biodynamic farming principles, um, but only a few of their varietals of the wine um, were actually labeled organic because of some of that, the pesticides blowing and things like that. So it was really interesting to talk with the team there. Um, it was called Beckman Vineyards. We'll link to that in the show notes, but it's a quick drive from LA. Um, and of course there's a ton of wineries out there who are trying to start to reform their practices. Um, but yeah, so when you're at the grocery store, if you can buy the organic option, um, we we recommend that just because it is better for the planet in terms of pesticide use, antibiotic use, et cetera. Um,
1: you know, and sometimes... Th- oh, go ahead. Yeah. Do you want to talk, uh, briefly mention, like if you're buying organic meat, right? It means that um, this regu- regulations require that animals are raised in living conditions accommodating their natural behaviors like yep. the ability to graze uh, on pasture fed 100% organic so whatever the animal is eating is 100% organic feed of forage and not administered antibiotics or hormones so that's yep. That's my favorite uh, Portlandia episode about <laughs> <how> the <they're laughs> ordering chicken in the restaurant. That's right. And like, this is this chicken happy? Uh, how are they living? How are they feeling? And other people that raising chicken are they nice? So and, like, funny! I know that is going the to the farm. Thing. That's kind of taken to a different level. I mean, you guys can do it, but <laughs> you're gonna be hungry for a while. Uh, but now, yeah, I've, well, and
0: eggs too. So oh, this yeah. to me or, always comes up when I'm looking eggs. for eggs. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um I I'm not vegan, I do eat eggs. Um, and I, uh, whenever I go to shop for them, there's like eight different kinds of eggs. There's like organic eggs, there's brown eggs, there's white eggs, there's, Mm -hmm. um, free range eggs. So if you were to buy organic eggs, yes, that means that the chickens aren't fed hundred percent organic feed. They don't have antibiotics given to them and they are free range. Well, Mm -hmm. if you have just free range eggs, then, um, they're, they're most likely not being fed organic feed, but they're hanging out in, um, you know, (laughs) they're hanging out, not in cages. I do want to mention that just because something says quote unquote free range or whatever they call that, um, does not necessarily mean that they're like off in this beautiful pasture that we all think of it literally just means that they're not confined. So uh-huh. anyway, um that's super helpful Yeah.
1: So yeah. like organic is better than just free range. So that's super important. So question yeah. from uh one of our members, Carol Norris, uh she asked about one of the um uh there are some things that I could I should always buy organic and not so much others. Uh hmm. does it matter if the food comes from Mexico, South America or USA? Um, so I think I don't. I think I love doing this research because for me as a consumer, you know, like I'm becoming more aware. Uh, but I think yes. Yeah, so like I think in our discussion, like uh, obviously meats, obviously um, all the produce, and then um, the eggs. I think the super important. I know my French is like eggs. You have to buy the most expensive eggs you can because it's super important. And I think that's kind of like the point that you explain. Hey Laura, I was talking to your mom the other day and she mentioned your birthday was coming up. She's thinking about getting you a piece of jewelry, but she knows it's hard to find something that looks great and is ethically made. And I was like, haven't you been listening to our podcast?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know how she feels. It's honestly been a challenge for me to reconcile my love of diamonds with the fact that they're not always from sustainable sources. So I was really excited when we started partnering with the creators of a new way to wear gorgeous jewelry without the guilt. Diamond Nexus is the creator of the Nexus Diamond Alternative, a sparkly, ethical option that costs up to 80% less than mine diamonds.
1: That's amazing. I'm sure your mom will be glad to give you a gift that is kind to the planet and to her wallet. (laughs) Uh Well, if you're looking for an affordable, ethical piece of jewelry, we've got you covered. Good Together listeners can get an additional 5% off their purchase, even the pieces on sale, with code GOOD5 at diamondnexus.com goodtogether.
0: The Brightly team is usually based in the beautiful Bay Area, but when we found out that we got into the Yellow Accelerator program, thanks for believing in us, Snapchat, we are on the hunt for a new place to live for a few months in sunny L.A. If there's one thing we love to do on Good Together, it's researching ethical and sustainable options, and Lisa and I were excited to learn more about and partner up with Zeus Living. Zeus provides beautiful homes for 30-day stays or more in the best locations, including LA, San Francisco, Seattle, DC, New York, Boston, and more. Plus, they stock every unit with toiletries from one of our favorite brightly recommended brands, Public Goods. Zeus also works with local artisans to furnish their units when possible, and honestly, staying in an Instagrammable space that takes care of everything for us couldn't have come at a better time as we work to scale up brightly. Hassle free setup, ethical amenities, and a mission to change the way you stay long term around the United States makes Zeus a fabulous partner for us at Good Together. To learn more, visit ZeusLiving.com. What, about, what do
1: you think about in terms of does it matter if it's made in the US, uh, Mexico, US, or somewhere else?
0: yeah, so I think we want to be really careful about not villainizing a country just because we don't live in that country. Um, I think we we are in that time, unfortunately right now in the states where more and more people are becoming, uh, I think, afraid of stuff that's not existing out of the u s, which is unfortunate. Well, um, just depending on whatever country you're buying things from. I mean, if they've got that organic label on them coming through, I mean, that is an organic label. Like in order to sell something as organic in the United States, it has to go through the USDA standards. So doesn't matter where it's coming from if it's got that organic label. Um, I, she might've been asking also about like where it really, environmentally, that's right. Like what mm-hmm. really, um, I guess, bang for your buck. Like if you can't afford to buy all things organic, what should you? And I think you just mentioned that, right? Like food, anything that you eat a lot of. So I said, I eat a lot of eggs. So I'm going to go ahead and, and, and buy that. But maybe if I'm not necessarily a consumer of something every day and I can't afford to buy everything organic, then I'll do something else. Yep, yeah. The other, exactly. That's exactly yeah and the other thing I mm-hmm. wanted to mention too, before we kind of go off the organic train is, um, Is gots so gots is the certification that is available to clothing Um, so that is um, talking about organic cotton um, any type of textile that is um, made from at least 70% certified organic natural fibers and so there's a lot of debate on whether or not cotton is good for the environment even organic cotton just because it's a very water-intensive crop Um, again we like to think about, like at, at Brightly, there are just so many levels to this conversation, and so we like to give you as much information as we can, provide some guidance. We're never going to take a huge hard line on areas where we think that there's still more um, or more to come on research or on personal choice. But yes, GOTS is something that's really interesting. Um, you know, again, like we said, 75 percent, oh, sorry, 70 percent, or certified organic natural fibers. The textiles that are used also have to meet environmental standards, similar to what we just talked about with food. And um, there's actually a, a lot of different certification bodies globally that can award the GOTS certification, but they all use the same standards. So when you're looking for, um, particularly this, this comes up a lot when people are um, new parents and they're looking for um, baby clothing and are really concerned about um, exposing babies to chemicals definitely look for GOTS Um, when you think about clothing and, um, you know, I, you and I talk about fast fashion and fashion a lot on brightly and, you know, obviously again, buy less fashion if you can, cause that's yeah. like the primary driver. Listen of to the, the previous episode. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We have a lot of episodes and content about fashion. Um, so first of all, buy less fashion, but, and when you do buy it buy secondhand or thrifted, but if you're going to buy something new, Um, you know, make sure that you, you're going to wear it for a long time. And then once you kind of go through that thought process, then you can kind of start getting nerdy with the, with the textiles and figuring out like, you know, is there a way for me to uh, purchase maybe organic cotton over non-organic cotton? And what does that mean for my budget? What does that mean for whether or not I like this piece? Um, so hopefully as consumers, we can keep pushing on that. Um, yeah, so, so I'm kind of thinking through, you know, as we're walking down the grocery aisle what does it mean? You know, what other, what other labels can people look for when they're shopping? Yeah.
1: So Rainforest Alliance. I know you mentioned that to me, uh, to me. And, um, I think when, uh, when I was looking for flowers too, I don't know, I uh, know Ra- Rainforest yes. alliances flowers, farmers, coffee. also coffee, tea, right? Yep. So do you, know, you
0: want to chat a bit more about that? yeah so um the rainforest alliance label is is uh relating to um, destruction of the rainforest um, and destruction of habitats in those areas so when you purchase a product that has that label it means that it was grown in conditions that are not negatively impacting the rainforest Um, so i also saw that on flowers that's one you can look for it oftentimes is on coffee other labels you can find on coffee are equal exchange, um, fair trade, like we talked about earlier. Um, and then another label I want to throw in there is FSC. Um, so FSC um, uh, certification, paper, right? Um, yeah, so, so this is kind of like the, I want to say almost like the American version of Rainforest Alliance, because since we don't really have the rainforest here, but we have lots of forests um, in North America. So um, there's a lot of, you know, like I said, we, we actually source a lot of our paper products from forests in Canada. Uh, so it's North America, it's not the US. And unfortunately, a lot of forests are being cut down to supply things like toilet paper, paper towels, all of these things. So when you're going to buy those paper products, look for that FSC certification. Um, I shop at Costco and Costco's brand is FSC certified or one of the brands that they carry is FSC certified. So we try and buy that one. Again. None of these labels or certifications are perfect, but you can you can feel good when you're buying them that there was some level of oversight put in there.
1: Yeah. So another one, I just uh, did like unboxing of my uh, recent Grove delivery uh, in our Facebook group. And actually um, I, I wanted to test out their paper products and their paper products are made from bamboo uh, and right on the packaging. Um, and we have another ca- episode coming about bamboo textiles in this case, but bamboo is a much, much better alternative to uh, cutting trees because it, uh, i think it like grows 30 times faster some like it takes like two or three uh, a few months actually to grow and instead of trees it takes obviously you know how long it takes for trees to grow so uh ideally if you have to buy paper products try to buying bamboo products um and grove has and i think there's other brands that have are uh, starting to make um uh, paper products from bamboo, so definitely be on the lookout for that. It's not a certification per se, but it's a
0: it's a, it's a material, a more sustainable environment. Absolutely. and absolutely material. And you know, one of the things I want to mention too is, we as with all of these episodes, we're throwing a lot of information at you. Yeah, you don't have to memorize this, but one thing that'll happen that is, I I promise you, it'll happen the next time you go to the store after listening to this is you will be browsing and your eye will catch one of these labels and you'll probably remember hopefully a little bit about what we talked about, but even so, even if you don't, if you just remember like the fact that we mentioned one of these labels, it's probably going to prompt you to think a little bit more. I hope you pull up your phone and Google it. Um, and you know, just, just again, have this curious mind, go through and, and think a little bit more when we're, when you're shopping. And I think, um, you don't have to go crazy. Like, don't, don't feel like you've got to go in there and, and know everything about all these things. But just just be curious, just start to pay a little bit of attention. Um, exactly. It's just
1: about slowing down when you're making this decision to think twice. That's it. You know, that's where yep. you start. Uh, yep. next one, you want to talk about since we're going down the aisle <laughs> in the, in the store, let's talk about the good for the air uh, for animals. Uh, I know we've talked recently a lot in the actually again, now Facebook group and in our Instagram about clean beauty and stuff. So um good for animals. Um, it's not just about beauty products, right? Laura?
0: Yep, not mm-hmm. just about beauty products. So the two certifications to look for, um, if you care deeply about animal welfare, um, one is the cruelty-free international's leaping buddy bunny, bunny. sorry, <laughs> bunny like bunny rabbit mm-hmm. certification. And the other is certified vegan. So leaping bunny is a relatively new certification on the market that is now being recognized as the globally recognizable gold standard for you know beauty products, personal care, et cetera. This mostly means that there is no animal testing on that product. And I don't want to go too deep into this because it's actually really, really um, disheartening. But a lot of the products that go on your body have been tested on animals, whether it's beagles or monkeys, or, I mean, it's just, it's, it's horrifying to be completely honest. And so um, if you want to make sure that you are not supporting that nasty industry you can look for leaping bunny um, on your beauty products, and I, I and, want you know, to give
1: them a shout out for their marketing. It's very, it's super cute, you know, leaping bunny. It's a, it's great, uh, great branding, you guys.
0: Yep, and you know, rabbits are also used um, in in this testing process, and I imagine that's why they they um, went with that logo. So look for leaping bunny. Um, another one is certified vegan. So um, similar um, in, in in thinking through that doesn't um, they weren't tested the products weren't tested on animals but this also goes a step further and says uh, the product actually it contains no animal products or byproducts so there's a lot of things that go into I'm sorry ingredients that go into products that are animal byproducts that you would not even think of so you know the the certified vegan label is a really great cue for people who are vegans to make sure that they are you know a hundred percent there with, with that. Got it. Awesome. All right. Well,
1: and also one more thing. We have just like uh, two literally two certifications left. It's by by no means we're not covering all certifications today. But um think about with all of these things and whatever we're discussing on the podcast and our community, um you can you will never probably find a product that has all the certification on them, right? On one product. So you again with everything that we say think about what is the most important thing for you. So you don't get overwhelmed. It's like, I have to protect animals, the environment, the workers and everything. So uh, whenever you are going through your kind of sustainability journey, think about what's the most important thing for you and start there.
0: Um, just kind of not to get as overwhelmed uh, with yep, all of it's this information. All right? of the info we talk about, if you, you know, nothing's perfect, nothing's going to have all those things. Shop with your values. be good (laughs) exactly
1: so yeah one last thing uh it's certification kind of i wanted to mention is uh, slightly different from all of the ones that we've talked about but probably i think it's pretty um has a pretty good presence um both in your in the stores um and it doesn't even have to be actually it's it's not a physical product that you buy it can be even Companies that uh, provide services, just regular businesses, media companies, can have the certification. And what
0: I'm talking about is called B Corp. Uh, oh B-Corp, great! I'm so yeah. glad you're talking about this one. B Corp is just comes up all the time. Like, so what does that mean, Lisa? What is what is a B Corp?
1: So B Corp is more about, as I like to plainly explain, it's more about how you operate internally as a company, right? So, for example, fair trade or Leaping bunny. It's kind of like how you source products, how uh, how you treat animals, how you treat the environment. B Corp is also a bit about that, but it's more about internal principles and standards of the company. Um, so. The company that is a B-Core uh, must meet high standards of performance, transparency, and accountability, account, accountability as said by the nonprofit B-Lab. So it's a it's a nonprofit company that certif- uh, has the certification. Uh, what it includes, uh, you have to meet a certain score on the B-Impact Assessment. So you can be a B-Core uh, certified company, but there's different scores that you have. So I, the, the higher the score, the better the company, ultimately. Yep. And the Im- impact assessment measures a company impact on its workers community and environment uh, so for example um, it's um i have looked into b core before and for example questions that b core assessment is asking is do you have any uh, women in leadership position do you have uh women uh the company doesn't have women in the board of directors advisors investors wow. um yeah yeah so it's, it's very very specific or for example does your company recycle literally does really wow yeah 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 yeah. no it's very very specific does your company provide um or encourage uh commuting benefits uh right so instead of driving so it's very very Hmm. specific and granular so that's what i'm saying you know you can have um like there is I think there I believe there is a minimum impact impact assessment score for you to be certified but it it varies a lot from like 70 to 100 if not like 50 to 100.
0: This is really interesting Lisa so basically what you're saying is you know obviously a product goes through all these types of um, iterations as it's being sourced but at the end of the day there's someone who sells it there's someone who puts their name on it and puts their name behind it and you know you could think about a world where all the resource and everything is put towards the end product, and then the employees are kind of left, left out to dry in terms of fair, fair wages and, um, you know, a great working environment. So this is a really interesting thing that I personally hadn't really thought of as much
1: yeah no uh i have thought about it a lot uh especially recently it's it's uh it's different uh it's different but i think it's important um and so let me give you a few examples of the uh, biggest big corporations that you guys know of course yeah. petagonia of course ben and jerry's that um i've been eating their ice cream a lot recently <laughs> a seventh generation the cleaning one uh method um island future the the fashion company and yeah. as as big as companies as danone the, the uh, it's, it's probably more well known in europe danone the yogurt a, yep mm-hmm,
0: yeah. really i didn't yep. know they were b core yep hmm. yep
1: yep uh my my favorite person in the world muhammad Yunus. uh when he wrote his business about so- social business he actually uh, mentions danone so they do have a lot uh, of good uh, good initiatives internally and again yeah it just tells you that the company it's it's a very strict assessment as you can tell from the questions I mentioned uh, it does tell you a lot about the company if it's B Corp Athleta is another one and Natura and there is a many 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 ones and you can find them all of uh, on the website of course we'll link to it Um Um, so you can find, you can literally just search for your favorite brand and, uh, you can easily tell if
0: they're B Corp or not. So, you know, actually one thing I wanted to hop in with, um, just really quickly, one thing that's interesting about Athleta, um, that you just talked about is, so they were actually acquired by Gap. Um, and I'm not sure what, um, I know very little about what actually went down there. One thing that I think is really cool is Gap obviously is not a B Corp. Um, and they made the, um, you know, financial decision to acquire Athleta, probably because Athleta was doing really well. But I would love to see if, you know, as smaller companies start to get acquired by these bigger names, what is going to be that downstream impact? Like, are the bigger names going to feel pressure to become B Corp because of this? Like, TBD but that could be a really interesting side effect.
1: Yeah I mean there are good examples and bad examples I think of the acquisitions and uh, a lot of like there's so many examples of small brands being acquired by bigger brands and everyone usually at least publicly likes to say we're still committed to our principles it's still fair trade or B Corp but uh, whether or not it's true it's a question. So one example for example Etsy Uh, Etsy used to be a B Corp but when it went public it stopped being a B Corp. Yeah
0: so So actually we um, you know, Brightly is a um, private company, um, but we are, you know, actively taking investors. We're, we're kind of building that muscle up and we are not a B Corp yet. I wanted to address that. So we do have it in our plans. Um, but we're trying to see, you know, how best to go about it. And unfortunately, a lot of times we've heard from other folks that we know that have businesses in the social uh, spaces, B Corp certification can sometimes be a turnoff to certain kind of investors. So obviously the types of investors that don't like that, we don't necessarily want to be associated with. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it also ends up being another level of paperwork that companies have to go through. Oh, absolutely, so, yeah. so uh, you know, I think, like we said, this is a really interesting space to be in right now. I think places like B Corp are trying to make it easier for companies to, at least from an administration point, um, you know, become B Corp. So, yeah. Fascinating stuff. I mean, we could talk about that all day. We should yeah. probably do an episode about B Corp. Yeah, I no. think that'd so be great. <laughs> one last
1: thing is confusion with B Corp. So there is B Corp, right, which is certified uh, by a nonprofit company, but there's Benefit Corporation, which is a legal status and which is separate. It's completely se- a separate. Uh, benefit Corporation is not a certification and it's available only in, those, in certain states, which have fast Benefit Corporation legislation. To become a benefit corporation, a company must incorporate as one in one of the states where it is available. You don't have to be B-Core certified. So they're separate. They're completely separate. Um, One is legal, one is certification. So that's an important thing to note. Um, Are we done yet for today? What do you think? Oh, yeah, we can I think, talk about 20 more <laughs> certifications. I know we
0: could. I mean, I think there's a few other ones that we wanted to give a shout out to, but probably in the interest of time, we should either do a part two on this or um, you know, I of course each one of these have the opportunity to be their own episode. And so we're we're in the process of um, you know, planning out the rest of the year. We would love to hear your input, what um, you know, as an audience member, what you're interested in hearing. Of course, we have a thought process there. We're, we're already excited about upcoming episodes. But if there's something that we didn't quite scratch the surface on here, please let us know in all of the channels like we mentioned. Go to brightlyego podcast and pick whatever way you want to get in contact with us. But it's it's such an interesting space right now. We hope that like our walk down the digital aisle, um, you know, clean up on aisle five. Mm-hmm. Don't use <laughs> uh, don't use a nasty cleaner. You know, use no. organic cleaner on aisle five. <laughs> we hope yeah, that, exactly. that that was it, it was uh, relevant for you.
1: Yeah, and please, please let us know if you're listening, or if you're listening with your friends, or if you are hopefully you're enjoying uh, the podcast and the recent episodes. Please tell your friend, or maybe text your favorite. Uh, you know. Friends group on WhatsApp on on messages yeah. and share the episode link on the podcast link. This is how we grow and this is how we make a difference. So yeah, um, we think the future is brightly and we thank you for being part of this movement.
0: Yeah, all right. Thanks for the convo, Lisa. Yeah, it was great. talk to you later, Laura. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Good Together. As always, you can get show notes and explore lots more content related to all things eco-friendly living by checking out brightly.eco podcast. And we're now live on YouTube. Just search for Good Together Podcast to get the video recording of this episode and more. While you're visiting, don't forget to join in on the conversation by leaving us a question through voicemail or giving us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, and all of the social channels. Our username is brightly.eco. Finally, we want to leave you with a reminder. Every day is a chance for you to create change, and you're already covered for today since you joined us here on the podcast. Stay kind and live brightly.